Turn in your Bibles, please, to Revelation. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14. <clears throat> I want to speak tonight on the subject, Countdown to Harvest. It's the second in a series of messages as we approach the campaign that we're going into in October and November and December. And I'd like to base what we speak about tonight on Revelation 14, beginning with verse 13. Revelation 14, beginning with verse 13. May we pray. <clears throat> Our Father, we thank Thee for the joy that is set before us in serving the Lord. Thank you for the sounds of joy that brought joy to our hearts, for the reminders, so many spiritual truths they brought to us tonight, for the choir that sang earlier, for Brother Jim and for the congregation and for every part of this hour tonight. Now, Father, thou knowest the need of every heart. We pray that our own needs would be met by the Word of God. Bread of heaven, feed us till we want no more. Bless every person who has come, some who are not ready for the harvest, some who are not ready for eternity, and others of us that need to have our hearts stabilized and encouraged and strengthened and excited about what you want to do. Oh God, have thy way tonight in Jesus' wonderful, dear name. Amen. Revelation chapter 14, and I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, write, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. And I looked and behold a white cloud and upon the cloud one sat like the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle and reap, for the time has come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar who had power over fire and cried with a loud cry to him that sat, that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden outside the city and blood came out of the winepress even unto the horse bridles by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. We're not in a series of messages through the book of Revelation. We will do that at another time. And because of that, 
I'm not going to dwell deeply on where this is in the panorama of the drama of last days and last times. Certainly, this scripture speaks of Armageddon. It speaks of that time in the valley of Jehoshaphat, extending from Mount Carmel on the Mediterranean Sea to the Jordan River and plunging down the Jordan toward the Dead Sea. And there will be gathered there hosts and hordes from all over the world encompassed against Jerusalem to battle. And the Bible tells us that the Lord Jesus is going to come and end that battle with the power of the word of his mouth. And there will be great carnage in that Armageddon battle. And the blood is said here to come up to the horse bridles. We were in Megiddo, which is a little uh, fortress city overlooking the valley of Jehoshaphat, the valley of Megiddo. It is called by a number of names. And a Hebrew guide had our attention wrapped upon him, knowing nothing of the New Testament, knowing nothing of Jesus. He said, this is the bloodiest battlefield in the world. And he said, there will be one day a great battle called Armageddon, and it'll take place right here. And I felt like giving him an A plus for knowing his Bible, because that's what the Bible teaches. And just as he was saying that, there came some fighter jets over, and we all looked up. There was a whole, whole group of them. And we couldn't help wonder, is this a preparation for Armageddon? Thank God it wasn't, and we got out of there. <laughs> but I'm telling you, this scripture speaks of those days toward the end of the age when all the armies of the earth will be gathered around Jerusalem. Now the message that I want to bring to you tonight is not exactly a prophetic message, though it certainly has prophecy in it. I want to speak to you about countdown to harvest. There is coming a harvest day. This scripture says the harvest of the earth is ripe. Thrust in the sickle and reap the harvest of the earth. God has graciously given us four seasons of the year. The spring, when a young man's thoughts turn to that which a young woman's been thinking about all year long. And the summer and the fall and the winter. And sometimes we cannot tell when one season changes and another comes. For example, this coming Wednesday, September the 23rd, they tell us that the sun will pass the fall equinox and the summer of 1987 will be over. And we'll be in the fall season, the autumn. And we do not know what will happen before the winter comes in December. The changing of one season to another occurs sometimes unnoticed. After this coming Wednesday, 
There will still be leaves on the trees. The grass will still be green. It'll have to be cut some more. There'll be still some flowers blooming. For all practical purposes, there's no difference, but a deadline has been crossed. And it won't be summer anymore. Now that's the way it is with the harvest. And as we think of countdown to harvest, I want us to think of four things that are very, very important to us. Number one, we are having a, what we're calling a countdown to harvest campaign in our Sunday school and training union and throughout the church. You saw a little bit of it tonight depicted as they reminded us that next Sunday is Prospect Sunday. Today was Goal Sunday. And all of our Sunday school classes, every teacher was on the spot spiritually to arrange some goals for his class and her class in line with the scripture that the harvest will one day pass and we must get ready for it. And so we had goal day today to set some goals in certain areas, enrolling new people in Bible study. Somebody said about goals, it's a lot better to set a goal and miss it than not set a goal and hit it. It's like taking a gun. If you don't have a target out there, well, you can easily shoot out there and you hit your target because you didn't have a target. But isn't it a lot better training to get a target out there and then get your gun ready and hold it up there, eye it, get it all ready and bang, and you hit your target. Maybe you missed the target, but at least you tried. Now that's what's involved in this campaign. In enlisting our classes and our workers in setting goals to reach new people for every class from the nursery to the preschool to the primary to the junior to the youth to the university to the adults and every class getting excited about reaching some new people. Why? Because these are people for whom Christ died and God wants us to reach them. And so, one of the reasons for having this harvest campaign is to renew our compassion and care about others by setting these goals, new enrollments. <clears throat> A goal of certain number of visits per week. Asking every worker and every person and every deacon and every leader, everybody, whether we have some specific job or not, to set a personal goal in our hearts to say, by the grace of God, I'm going to visit some people this week. I'm going to do my best to make two visits or three visits or 30 visits or whatever they are. And then to set soul winning goals. I don't know about you, some people are not as oriented toward goals as others, but I want to guarantee you if you do not set a goal, you're not going to do as much as you would if you set a goal. In the factories, <clears throat> they have certain goals and they ask, sometimes people are paid according to whether they meet these goals or not. You're supposed to do this much production, this much production, if you do this much production, you get a little bit more money and so on. And people who are motivated, have a killing on money. Why, wow, they just go hog wild and they turn out all kinds of things. I know they used to do that down at Union Underwear. 
I think they may do it in other plants and so on. And, they, and, and, and so you, if, you'll, if you follow their pattern, you'll become an expert worker and you can make a good living. Now, some people that are not oriented that way won't even try. They just sit down and say, well, I won't set any goal. And so they don't do very much. And that's the way it is with our lives. We need to set goals about soul winning. We need to say, by the grace of God, I'm going to ask God to give me two people for Jesus in the next 10 weeks. I'm going to ask Jesus to give me one person for him, somebody that I can lead to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this harvest campaign can renew our concern, our compassion for people by establishing goals deep down inside of our hearts. And when a week ends and we have not had the success we want or we've not witnessed to somebody, we've not tried to reach somebody, we can check up on ourselves and say, by the grace of God, I'll try it next week. It is not to be a discouragement. It's to be an encouragement to get us to do it. And then we're to set goals in our attendance, in our classes. Here's a class that last year ran, say, uh, 10 people. And so we're asking you to set a goal of saying, by the grace of God, I'm not going to go under 11 next year. I'm going to do everything I can in this campaign to have at least 11. And then I'm going to set a high attendance goal. I'd like to have maybe 15 in my class on a certain Sunday, maybe 20. And excited people who are in the will of God and who have concern and care about others will reach in on these goals and say, by God's help, with God's help, I'm going to do everything I can to reach people for Christ. That's what this campaign is all about, setting goals in certain areas and making the work exciting. There's nothing worse than dull, dull drums. One of my favorite songs is Holy, Holy, Holy. But I hate the way most people sing it. They get up and sing, Holy, Holy, and you go to sleep between holies. If they get up and sing it like this, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, strike the cymbals, I'll tell you, we'd all get excited about the holiness of God. Now we need to get excited about reaching people for God. We need to get excitement, build excitement in our Sunday school classes. Build excitement in the work. Don't let anybody come into your class. And they sit down and the piano finally gets there 10 minutes late. And they go over there and they start playing something like this. I don't know whether I can reach the piano or not, but maybe I can't. He gave me a long chord tonight. Thank you for that. They start playing something like this. Ain't that exciting? <laughs> Need to build excitement in our Sunday school classes. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is alive and we've got the most blessed, wonderful news the world has ever heard of. And God will bless us as we do that. Now secondly, <clears throat> this campaign is to remind our people that there are deadlines along God's way. God's deadlines. J. Harold Smith has come to our pulpit a number of times and preached God's three deadlines. He has some deadlines. And among those deadlines are scriptures like Proverbs 29, verse 1. He that being often reproved and hardeneth his neck shall suddenly, suddenly be destroyed. 
and that without remedy. There's going to be a, a, a you can't you can't treat God with neglect forever. God has a deadline. There may be somebody in this very room tonight who is about to cross one of God's deadlines. The choir sang this morning, someday you will hear God's final call. Now we get gospel hardened and we've heard the message of Jesus over and over and over again. And we've heard that his grace is extended and his arm is reached out all the day long. But I'm here to tell you tonight, there comes a day when God no longer reaches out his hand. And in Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, my spirit shall not always strive with men. There comes a day, an hour, a moment when God writes it off and says, I'm not going to bother any longer. Have you ever had a burden for somebody? You really cared about that soul. Oh, you wanted to see him saved. You prayed for them. You could hardly sleep. Every waking moment, it was on your mind, on your heart, to try to reach that dear, precious soul for Christ. And that one rejected and rejected and rejected and rejected and rejected and said, no, no, no. And listen, after a while, you don't have that burden anymore. Why? God removed it. I've said to some people that I've been concerned about, I plead and pray with God for you. But there's coming a day when I won't have that burden anymore. You'll cross one of God's deadlines and I won't have the burden. You won't either. Maybe somebody here tonight who has heard God's final call or is hearing it tonight. And one of the reasons for this campaign is to remind our people that God has some deadlines. And we're asking next Sunday to turn in prospects, the 10 most wanted people on your heart for God, your neighbor, your sister, your brother, your husband, your wife, somebody, and make that a prayer list for your class and do everything you can under God's heaven to try to reach those 10 people during this campaign for Christ because there may be one of those names on that prayer list and on that prospect list that if you don't reach them, if we don't reach them in this campaign, they'll never be reached. They'll die and go to hell. I'll let you in on some secrets sometime. It's not exactly a secret because I think all the city knows about it, but last Sunday night, there was a dear young man who lives in our neighborhood who was alive and vital and viral. Nobody dreamed, nobody dreamed in the slightest imagination that that person wouldn't be here very long. Monday night at 11.30, he was dead. I had his funeral during the week, 25 years old. Just like that. No warning. I want to submit to you tonight, there may be somebody that is on your heart or should be on your heart who does not have very long to live they may not be here in 1988. They may not even see Christmas come. And you and I must get that one on, his, on our hearts and beg God for him, plead with God, and ask, say, Lord, if you'll help me, if you'll give me the strength, I'll go and try my best to reach that person, get him under the Bible study, 
get him in our class of fellowship and talk to him about how to be saved and pray for his salvation. Because there's some deadlines that we're facing. The Bible tells us that there's a deadline when suddenly they be destroyed. There's a deadline when they'll not hear the voice of God speak to their hearts any longer. There's a deadline of death. But there's also a deadline of the second coming of Jesus. I don't know when the Lord is coming. The Bible tells, Jesus told a story about 10 virgins. They were all excited about the bridegroom. Five of them got oil in their lamps and they were ready, they were prepared. Five of them said, well, we've got plenty of time. Bridegroom hadn't come. He didn't come yesterday. He, had, he didn't come this morning. He didn't come this afternoon. I don't know when he's going to come. We've got plenty of time, just plenty of time. All those old fogey preachers are always talking about not having very much time and so on. But you know how they are. That's just their job. They just talk about that. They yak, yak, yak. They rattle on and on. That's all they do. But all of a sudden, the bridegroom came. And you know what those five foolish virgins did? They ran hurriedly to the five wise virgins and said, give us some oil, give us some oil, quick, give us some oil. They said, I'm sorry, we can't. And the bridegroom took those five wise ones and shut the door. Now I'm here to tell you tonight, there is coming a deadline when the Lord is going to come. And nobody who has heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, nobody who has been on a prayer list Nobody who has said, no, not today. No time now to think of religion. None of those will ever be saved. I believe there will be some people saved in the tribulation, but it will be people who have not heard. People we have not gotten to with the message in this church age. But when the Lord comes, it's going to be a serious time. And Jesus could come tonight. He could come this very hour. And I want to plead with you if you're in this place tonight and you're not ready to meet the King, you're not ready to meet Jesus, to quickly repent of sin and put your trust and faith in the Lord because Jesus is coming again. Thirdly, the reason for this harvest campaign is to reach out in love for those that we would not otherwise think about. It's so busy, it's so easy to get caught up in our busy time. I don't know anybody in this room who isn't busy. The students are all busy trying to pass tests and quizzes and write term papers and get ready and so on so you'll graduate from college later on and especially so you can pass a final examination in December. Our high school students are all busy trying to get ready for the basketball game and get ready for cheerleading, get ready for uh, ball games and get ready for the tests and their quizzes they're gonna have tomorrow and all kinds of things like that. Our moms and dads are busy Think about their work tomorrow. They gotta go back to the grind and punch in at four o'clock in the morning or five o'clock or six or 10 or whenever it is. And they, they're busy and uh, they have all kinds of responsibilities. Everybody is busy, 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 busy. And we can get so busy and caught up in good things. These are not bad things. I think people ought to study. I think people ought to get ready for the games. I think people ought to go and work and be on time, give eight hours to their employer and so on. But we get so busy that if we don't build into our schedule some time to reach people for Jesus, 
We'll never do it. We'll never get it done. Never get it done. What a tragedy. I've been praying for a man that I met several months ago, maybe several years ago. And uh, a couple came to me and, and wanted me to marry them. And I found out that the father of the bride, I did not know this, but the father of the bride is the man I'd been praying for for years. And I thought, well, now, praise the Lord. Uh, I've got an opportunity. But they said he's in the hospital, very, very sick. Don't even know he can, he can come to the wedding. I, I prayed for him. And I asked God to give just a, an anointing. You know when you stand up to preach, you need the anointing of God. When you, when you teach a Sunday school class, you need the anointing of God. When you go soul winning, you need the anointing of God. If you don't, it's full of sound and fury signifying nothing. And I asked God for an anointing, and I went up to that hospital room. I went in there, hadn't, hadn't seen this man for some time. I went in, we recognized each other immediately. He, he sort of smiled. I said, I understand your daughter's getting married. He said, that's right. I said, well, I'm going to marry her. He looked at me. I said, I'm going to marry her to her boyfriend. And I said, uh, you know, I've been praying for you. I want to see you get saved. Now, he's very, very sick. You know what that man, never before had he done this. He looked up at me as sincerely and earnestly as he could, and he said, I want to be saved. And in just a, just a few minutes, that precious man opened his heart to Jesus. Oh, I'm telling you tonight, you must get people on their hearts. We must get burdened for souls. We must get burdened for lost people who are going to spend eternity somewhere. And if we don't reach them and win them for Christ, they'd be lost forever and forever. And so this Harvest Countdown to Harvest campaign is an attempt to reach out in love for those we would not otherwise reach after. The harvest of the earth is, re is to be reaped. Last of all, the reason for this countdown to harvest is to realize some victories. You know, I don't know anybody that needs victory more than God's people. We get so defeated, don't we? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but how many in this room have not been defeated? <laughs> the, the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And if he can't devour you morally, he devours you emotionally. If he can't devour you emotionally, he devours you intellectually. If he can't devour you intellectually, he devours you spiritually. He never stops. He is faithful. He, he's right on the, on the post of your bed. When you get up in the night or when you get up in the morning or when you go to bed at night, he's always hounding, hounding, hounding. And I know so many defeated Christians. Oh, what a heartache. What a heartache. People who once held their hand head high, once had some scruples, once had some convictions, once had some moral things that would not vary at all. And they give a little here, 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 and pretty soon all those great strengths are gone and they're defeated. And you know they get embarrassed when they get defeated and they don't want to be around people that are not defeated. 
And so here's the way it goes, they say. Ah, oh, they just run things over there. I'm not going to go to that church. They're, they're hypocrites, they're bigots, or they holy joels, or they look down their nose at somebody. Now, friends, that could be possibly true. God forbid. We must never look down our nose at anybody. God hates sin, but he loves the sinner. And the great victory in our lives will come when we realize how much God loves people. And we say, Lord, use me to love people. Here's somebody that's having a special tough time. I'm not going to ignore them and cast them down and so on. I'm going to go and try to lift them up. That's victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me by his redeeming blood. You see, we didn't seek Jesus. He sought us. We didn't try to find him. He tried to find us. I like people's testimony. They get up and said, Jesus found me on such and such a date because that's victory. Jesus is finding us. And you know how Jesus finds people? He finds them through you and you and you and you and me. See, he doesn't, he's not some spooky ghost that comes down and hides under the benches and jerks somebody's leg and says, get out in the aisle and all that kind of thing. He doesn't do anything like that. <laughs> Jesus woos us tenderly and gently, but he does it through other people. You are the best Jesus somebody ever knew. I like this. You know it well, but I like to read it. An old man traveling a lone highway came at evening cold and gray to a chasm deep and wide. The old man crossed in the twilight dim. The sullen stream had no fear for him. But he turned when safe on the other side and built a bridge to span the tide. Old man said a fellow pilgrim near, you're wasting your strength in building here. Your journey will end with the ending day. You never again will pass this way. You've crossed the chasm deep and wide. We, why build you the bridge at even tide? The builder lifted his old gray head. Good friend, in the path I've come, he said, there followeth after me today a youth whose feet must pass this way. This chasm that was as naught to me, to that fair youth may pitfall be. He too must cross in the twilight dim. Good friend, I am building the bridge for him. That must be our theme, bridge builders. That's the reason as Glendale Baptist Church, we cannot afford to sit here at 1,000 Rose Lawn Way and just play our little ditties and sing our little songs. to build, to reach generations yet to come. We will be held responsible for this. And this harvest campaign is somewhat a campaign to lead us to victory. One of the days, the Lord willing, one of the pivotal days will be November the 22nd. And on that day, the Lord willing, and I don't want to get people's hopes too high because we've had it before, but I believe on that day we'll observe something new day. And among the things that will be new will be some pews that, you're, that are not as hard as those pews are now. It'll be a repainted auditorium. It will be a redecorated platform. 
It will be a new carpet. And we'll have some new things here. But we must never, never, never get satisfied with these new things. For we must constantly be looking out to the days ahead and the years ahead as to what would be the best policy for this church in trying to be a witness to the whole city of Bowling Green and Warren County. I've thought for years and years and years how wonderful it would be to have a big sign out there on the highway so that everybody comes by could see a sign about Jesus and could see a sign directing them to the Glendale Baptist Church. And there's no way we could do it. Chairman of our deacons today got a burden on his heart and we had a, a, new, uh, we had a, a committee meeting of the Long Range Planning Committee and those of you who didn't attend it, I'm sorry you didn't, we had a good meeting. And uh, he had it on his heart to go show us a piece of property that's been on his heart. And believe it or not, if that property were available in the years ahead, it's right where everybody on I-65 could see it. Amen. And what I'm trying to say is that we're dealing with a harvest campaign that deals with victory. Not defeat, but victory. And every one of us must be involved in it in trying to reach precious people for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe God will bless as we do that. That is his plan. The harvest is passing away. Soon will the season of rescue be o'er. Soon will they drift to eternity's shore. Haste then, my brother, no time for delay, but throw out the lifeline and save them today. Well, there are people that are going to say, well, I just tell you it's too much, too much work and so on. I read this little thing that thought you'd like. He wasn't much for stirring about. It wasn't his desire. No matter what the others did, he was sitting by the fire. Same old story every day. He never seemed to tire. While others worked to build the church, he was sitting by the fire. At last he died, as all men do. They say he went up higher, but if he's doing what he used to do, he's sitting by the fire. Ladies and gentlemen, let's go on to victory. Victory in Jesus. And this can be a harvest campaign, countdown to harvest, to see people touched by God. And how are they going to be touched by God? Not by some angel reaching down from heaven, but here's how they'll be touched by God. Give me your hand, Paula. Come and go with me. Come and go with me. That's how they get touched by God. Each one of us touching somebody else's life. Not saying, I'm not going to do it. It's too much for me. I'm, not af- I'm just afraid and I'm timid and bashful. Listen, the work of God does not belong to the timid and the bashful. It belongs to those who have the courage and the faith to say there may be blood, sweat, and tears, but God being my helper, we're going forward. And we're going to do what God wants us to do. Now, we need to reach people for Jesus. And that's the reason for this campaign. And that's the reason... We want to give invitation tonight to people, first of all, to get saved. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, I plead with you to come to Christ. If you have been saved, wouldn't you like for God to use you? Can you think of anything better than to say, God, use me? Use me, Lord, use me. And everybody can say that. You don't have to be able to sing like Jim Yates to sing to do that. Why, you don't have to be able to play the piano 
like Miss Reetha and Miss Sandy and Brother Mac Fogel and others to do that. Why, you can say, Lord, use me, and God will use you. It's all within you. Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed, please, for just a moment. Our Father, we thank Thee for this precious time. Oh, God, put upon our hearts a care, a concern, a burden for people. And may the Lord move in such a way that there will be victory ahead. Help those who have been defeated. Help those who have yielded to sin, yielded to self, yielded to the old foolish desires of the flesh, to the sins of the Spirit. And Lord, may they be reclaimed and get going for God and may they know victory in Christ as the Holy Spirit takes over, as they ask the Holy Spirit to take over their lives and give that victory. We pray that somebody who is here without Jesus will come to Christ and that every saved man, woman, boy, and girl would say, oh God, use me, use me. Would you remain in prayer, please? Our heads bowed and eyes closed. I wonder how many in this room tonight can say, preacher, I'm saved. Christ is in my heart and I'm so glad I'm a Christian. I'm glad I'm not perfect, but I'm saved. If I died tonight, I'd go to heaven. I'm so glad of that. And I thank Jesus for it. Would you put your hand up as a quiet testimony to that? I'm saved and I'm on my way to heaven and I'm so glad. Thank you, hands down. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Nobody's looking. I'm not going to embarrass you. But if you're here tonight and you could not lift your hand that time, you're not sure you're saved, but you would say, pray for me. I'd like to be a Christian. Pray for me. I'd like to be saved. I want to remember you in prayer. Would you just slip your hand up and hold it a minute and take it back down? Is there somebody here like that tonight? God bless you, dear friend. Is there somebody else? I'm not saved. I do not know if I'm saved. Pray for me. I need the Lord. Please pray for me. Would you just slip your hand up and hold it and then take it back down? I'm going to wait just a moment longer. Is there somebody else? All right, now, with our heads still bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask, you who lifted your hands to pray what I pray right now, just pray this simple prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm here at this place tonight because you got me here. And I've heard about Jesus. And I know that he died for me. And I call on Jesus tonight to forgive me and save me. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. I don't want to be lost. I don't want to go to hell. I want Christ to be my Savior. I pray this in Jesus' name, and I trust you right now to forgive me and cleanse me. Our heads are still bowed and eyes are closed. If you meant business and you want really to be remembered in prayer, you want to give your heart to Christ and you just now prayed that prayer. I'm standing right here at the front and I'd like to ask you to come and I'd like to pray with you. Nobody's watching, just God. Would you get up from where you are and come and say, by the grace of God, I want to give my heart to Jesus tonight. Don't say no. 
when God says go. Is there somebody that would do that? Have the faith and have that desire and that want to in your heart enough to just get up from where you are and come and stand here by me a moment. And we're going to pray. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just would like to pray with you. Is there somebody? We'll wait just a moment. Now while maybe you're continuing to contemplate that, I want to ask if you tonight would be willing to say you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, but you'd like to say, Lord, use me. Use me as part of this campaign. Use me to reach people. Use me to be used by God. I want to ask you to get up from where you are and come and kneel there at this altar. If you're willing to say, God, please use me, would you just do that? Come and kneel here at this altar. And keep your eyes closed as you come because we're not looking at people that don't come. We're humbly coming and say, Lord, use me. Use me. Use me. You just get up and come. You do not have to be a member of this church to do that. God can use you where you are unless he leads you here. But would you pray, Lord, use me in the light of all these things that the preachers talked about tonight. Please use me. I want to be used by God. Oh, God, use me. Would you just pray that to him? Don't pray about a thousand other things. Don't pray for the missionaries tonight. I like to pray for missionaries. But pray right now, God, use me. Use me. If you ask him to do that, I guarantee you he'll do it. He may have to change some things in our lives. He may have to clean us up a little bit. We have to be willing for that. Maybe you realize that, recognize that your heart needs to be filled with love. Ask God to do that. You realize that God needs to burden your heart for souls. Ask him to do that. Lord, use me. Our Father, we've come to the close of this hour. I've tried to say the things you put on my heart to say. If I've left some things unsaid, please say them quietly and spiritually to these hearts. Lord, we've been warned tonight that there are some deadlines. There are some people we must reach. And if we don't reach them in these next weeks, they may never be reached. Please, Lord, put them on our hearts and give us a spirit of humility to say, Lord, use me, use me. Use me to reach people. Use me to bring people and get them under the word of God. Use me to win them to Jesus. Use me to go after some, un, some, some people who have gotten out of fellowship with God. I want to reclaim them for the Lord. Lord, use me. That's our heart cry. That's our prayer. That's our great desire. Lord, use the Glendale Church. Use every Christian here. And we pray there will be a harvest of souls in the days ahead. Now remain in prayer a few moments, please. You who are in the auditorium who did not come forward, just 
get in a position of humility, maybe putting your head on the bench in front of you. And let's just pray. ask Miss Retha and Miss Sandy to find the music to teach me to pray and Brother Jim would you go to the pulpit and, and just sing one stanza of that song teach me to pray so I can have power with God and power with men